I get the honor of talking about what it means to be intentional in discipleship. Uh, we're going to talk about the two greats in the Bible this morning, the great commandment, which is love God and love neighbor. And there's a second great, which is the great commission. And, and that's also a biblical command to us. So today we're going to talk about the bridge from just simply loving our neighbor in practical ways to, to effective discipleship. And we're going to talk about how do we do that as a body? How do we get from here to there? Because those two are, are married together. Those two are so closely related that we, to, to, to not do one would to be to greatly neglect the other. So uh, before we get started, like we've been doing the last couple of weeks, I want to bring up a friend of mine who um, I've known for six years now, and I've worked closely with him in discipleship, in working with youth in our community, and I'm very excited that I get to preach today that he comes to be a guest because just our relationship's awesome, and it's, and it's been good since he arrived in town about six years ago. Uh, his name's Dane Tornell. He's the executive director of Umqua Valley Youth for Christ. If you were at the fair, the Cutlass concert last night, he helped make that happen. He was up on stage speaking um, and, and giving a little bit of insight about Youth for Christ and some of the things going on, and we want to invite him to do the same this morning and just talk about what's happening with the youth in our community, what's happening with Youth for Christ in our community, and, and most importantly, why should we care? Why is it important to us? So it's my great honor to invite my friend Dane Tornell. Would you give him a warm welcome? Hey, man. Good morning. How are you? Very well. Can I sit down, please? You may, yeah. We got some stools here. Oh, you want that one? I'll take this one. Oh, yeah, we're doing that thing. Okay. Oh. That's like, we got <laughs> musical chairs. Yeah, right. That one's okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. You see why we get along? It's awesome. So, uh, you know, his name is Dane Tornell. You know, the, he's the executive director of Youth for Christ. But, Dane, other than that, Tell us uh, briefly just a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, i am uh, been happily married for uh, 21 years uh, to my high school sweetheart, uh, Casey. We, uh, we actually met at the lake checking out the babes. That's right. I was checking out the babes. And, uh, yeah, so she was 15, 17, and I was 17. Um, grew up in Cresswell, Oregon. Um, uh, the father of uh, three daughters. Um, I've been with Youth for Christ. Uh, I started as a volunteer uh, in 1994 and uh, started full-time in, in 1997. Uh, so I'm in my 22nd year or 21st year uh, with Youth for Christ. Um, I worked uh, part-time for about 14 years as a semi-professional mountain climber, um, where in that I started a, a mountaineering school in Eugene to teach uh, Ice climbing, rock climbing, primitive survival skills, uh, whatnot. I'm a huge advocate of uh, dirt bikes. Um, love riding motorcycles, and um, one of my lifelong passions is the game of basketball. Um, I've been coaching basketball for uh, about 17 seasons, and I have just been recently hired at Roseburg High School to uh, lead the uh, varsity program for the women there at RHS. Nice, it's awesome. So, I, when I was in high school, I, I came to know Jesus at a, at a, in middle school, somewhere around there, um, and some of my friends invited me to different outreaches, different events, one of them being Youth for Christ. That's where I met Alan Sugar, and if he's here this morning, I saw him 
uh, he was leading Youth for Christ at the time. So I want to ask you this question. Um, why, why Youth for Christ? Because um, I'm a youth pastor and I do, I do youth group. But why, why Youth for Christ? I think Youth for Christ is unique um, among among the world of um, a parachurch organizations because we're we're essentially run, essentially governed organization, which means um, we have our own board here. I'm the executive director for uh, Douglas County. Our finances all stay here. Everything is everything is in house. So my, me as a as an as an executive director get to work. Um, closely with your youth pastors, which, by the way, in 21 years of doing this full time, I've worked with dozens and dozens and dozens of, of of youth pastors. You guys have the top shelf right here, the <laughs> cream of the creme. Yeah, the f- I remember the first. Um, just as a sidebar, sorry, the first. Uh, time I, I sat with Ricky as I traveled around the county meeting with youth pastors. I sat with him uh, with a room full of young people, some of which are in this room that are now older. Um, and I walked into that room, and for the first time in my life, I saw kids walk in, sit down, Bibles in hand, open up, ready to study the Word. And I just sat in the back and watched Ricky teaching, discipling the Word of God uh, with these young people. And I, at that point, I said, ooh, I'm working with this guy. This guy loves Jesus and loves discipling young people. So you guys are very fortunate here. Give him whatever he wants. That's what I was supposed nice, to think. Oh, yeah. I paid him to say that. Um, uh, so so uh, my, my role is, is really to make Ricky's job easy. Um, I, I don't want youth for Christ to get glory. I want Christ to get glory. And I want young people to understand that this right here is the most valuable thing that we possess on this earth as a believer in Jesus Christ. And that's the brother and sisterhood uh, of the Big C Church. Um, so I build the gears. I create the relationships. I grease those relationships and those gears necessary for people like Ricky to be able to go and make disciples of our young people. I'm not interested in big tent revivals and, you know, that kind of thing. I'm interested in, in people being discipled into the local body where they can grow as shown in what scripture, uh, scripture shows us. And, um, I'm good at that. I'm not good at a lot. That's what I'm good at is opening doors and allowing access for Ricky to be with young people. Um, and so um, that's how our whole organization right now in Douglas County is operating, is the local indigenous church, just like you, having access uh, to the lost for, uh, for evangelism and discipleship. Yeah, I know some of the position uh, historically between uh, churches, youth groups, and Youth for Christ, Young Life, whatever organization you want, has been that of like, hey, what are you going to do? Are you, are you here to take our students? Are you going to do your own thing, make it bigger, better, funner? Um, but that's not so with Youth for Christ. It's a breath of fresh air uh, in that, like he said, he, he's able to equip. And it's been uh, very cool the last several years in Roseburg since I've been a youth pastor to be friends with a, a group of other youth pastors in Dane and, and really mobilize. So I've, I, because of that relationship, I've been able to lead a Bible study at Roseburg High School every Thursday for the last six years, and that's a door that's been opened by Youth for Christ. So, yeah. And that's just something that, you know, it's not part of my job description as a youth pastor, that, but I felt, you know, if, I, I wanna, if I'm going to teach it here in church, I, gotta, I spend most of my time with church people, Christian people inside the church. I personally want to get out there and, and do some ministry to, to some lost students also. So that's been a door that you've 
open for me. And now, if you guys didn't aren't familiar, Ricky's now coaching uh, at the at the high school as well in both cross country and in, in track and field. So um, more and more and more access, and it's really fun when they want to know from me, yeah, who's that guy? How come you're always talking to that guy? Oh, he's one of my best friends, and he's the youth pastor at, at uh, Roseburg Alliance. You got to go check that church out. That's a great place to be. So um, we need more of this. We need more Rickies or you or to become involved. So. Yeah, awesome. So, hey, another question. Um, what is Youth for Christ doing in terms of discipleship? So what we're trying to do together is learn what are ways, both in the church and in the community, to love neighbor and, and, and disciple. What is Youth for Christ doing in terms of discipleship right now? I know the list is probably super long, but can you give us a, a condensed, in a nutshell version, what is Youth for Christ doing in terms of discipleship? So for the rest of us, let's pay attention and see if an opportunity might spark our interest to be involved. Okay. Um, we are on uh, seven uh, public school campuses, and after last night's Cutlass concert, we're going to be closer to the uh, 11 mark nice. as uh, principals and teachers uh, came to me at the concert and said, Youth for Christ is going to be in my classroom. I'm going to make it happen. What do I need to do? Yeah, praise the Lord. So, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing that... Uh, that we had people come to know the Lord last night at the concert, but the connections now, the ripple effect, the snowball, whatever, um, is just endless, so that's pretty exciting. Um, uh, so that's called Campus Life. Those are the on-campus uh, Bible studies do. that we have. That's what you do, called Campus Life. Um, and, and yes, it is legal for the Bible to be opened on public school campuses. Don't let the media lie to you and fool, te- fool you. Um, we also have a, what's called City Life program that deals with our often forgotten uh, young people, both male and female, that have gone through the uh, foster care system, the prison system, transitional housing, um, and that's run by Yaku Kotsia. Maybe you've seen the big blue van and the giant uh, Youth for Christ uh, trailer, which is actually a mobile bike shop. So he teaches uh, kids how to uh, build and uh, uh, build and fix bicycles, and then we give those away to people who need transportation or to young people. Um, kids get to build their own bikes. Uh, they learn a trade, and we actually have funding that allows us to be able to pay uh, some of the young people who have gone through an apprentice uh, process to become master mechanics underneath YFC, so pretty neat deal. Um, then we're also very involved in the Fowler House and Creekside and Casa de Boleyn um, with the transitional youth that happened there. Uh, we also have Parent Life Program that's run by uh, Carol Sherwood, and we're now sitting on about $16,000 in in in, um, in uh, well, just call us Walmart, I guess, if you will. <laughs> we, uh, we have a giant storehouse full of things to be able to help take care of our, our, uh, our, our expecting or teen moms. Uh, and then those, those kids are also connected with mentors. Uh, you, if you went to the Cutlass concert, one of those young ladies was on stage last night uh, giving a little bit of her testimony. And then the meat and potatoes of what we do, and this is maybe uh, affect uh, you guys, is um, we have about 45 mentors right now that are teaching our young people a trade, uh, how to work with your hands, how to, uh, how to make something, build something where they can produce an income. Um, and, and through that relationship in, in their home, in their business, and uh, whatever it may be, um, we are uh, discipling those young people through, through that conversation. So as an example for me, I love wrenching and building uh, dirt bikes. So I teach young people in my garage um, how to, the skill of taking an engine apart and, and making that engine work and putting it back together and then go 
ride the thing. Um, so that's, uh, that's just my passion, and uh, that's the heartbeat of Youth for Christ in Douglas County is every person in this room has a passion or a skill uh, that, the, that God's gifted them with for the common good. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.4 is a great reference to look up there if you're ever interested to find out if that's true or not. Yes, it is true. God's built you unique for the common good to bring glory to him and to edify this body. Um, and so we like to take what you already love doing, and we want to put a kid in your fishing boat, uh, in your I'm going skiing truck, in your, uh, in your uh, maybe your shop as an apprentice at your shop. And then through that time that you have with them to invest in them with the gospel of Jesus. It's awesome. Uh, lastly, uh, can you take all of that? And, and can you tell us some of your needs and how we can get involved, maybe today even? Um, okay, uh, that's, uh, that's a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's a, what's a step? Maybe, maybe you can give us a baby step, a giant leap, a middle step, something like that. What are different ways we can get involved today, take a step in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in the direction of discipleship, and maybe with Youth for Christ? Okay, so let me, let me preface that with saying I don't want you to work for y- with Youth for Christ. Awkward pause. I want you to be governed by the Holy Spirit. And that governance of the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to disciple somebody maybe in this church. To pour into a younger person uh, to be discipled. Folks, if you're not being discipled by somebody, if you're not sitting down on a weekly basis and talking about Jesus um, with a brother and sister in Christ, you're missing an essential part of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. You really are. Um, it's, it's essential. That being said, yes, there's a lot of opportunities for you to be, be involved in, in the lives of our, our young people. Um, it, it costs money to do what we do. Um, I just got a report from the National Office of Youth for Christ in Inglewood, Colorado, that my chapter is in the top 0.3% in all of the United States and in all of the world in effective use of money, meaning we do it for less here. We are in the top 0.3%. We do it for less money here in Douglas County than anywhere else. And I think it's just because of how the vision works. We have lots of people like you, 45 volunteers that are mentoring young people throughout the county. And the cost to me on that is very little. I have to insure you. Um, I have to do background checks on you. But that's, that's pretty small. That's pretty insignificant. Um, so uh, the funding piece of it, so coming to the concert last night, that's, that's a big help for, for Youth for Christ, you know, that kind of thing. So um, also, um, I, I found that the, our, our most valuable commodity in Youth for Christ is communication in this, communi- in this community, relationships. I always ask people now when they tell me their name, what's your last name? As I start to make all, the, all of the right connections around town. So I'm involved with local government, police, you know, all those kind of things. So when you are talking to somebody about uh, of exactly what you're talking about, this bridge connection, when you're talking to people, keep Youth for Christ in your mind as a, as a connection point and, and always feel free to call me and say, hey, I know this guy. Uh, he loves to go water skiing. He's got a boat. He wants to work with kids but doesn't know what to do. It's like, ding, 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 ding. Hey, you should get a hold of Youth for Christ. I bet you Youth for Christ could fill your boat full of kids, and he can carry the liability policy on your boat. So if something happens to one of those kids, 
you don't get you don't get dinged with the financial part of it. So you see how those little connections start to add up to massive amounts of ministry happening just because you opened your mouth, just because you picked up the phone and made a phone call. Things things happen. Last night at the concert, like I said, three people approached that had the ability to get the gospel into their public school classroom. So that concert, for whatever it was worth, was amazing, but now will probably affect thousands and thousands of kids because those people were willing to step forward and say, I've got this ability. Let me, can I do this? And and then I get to say, absolutely you can. Let's work together to make this happen. See how that works? It's awesome. In, at the end of the service, we'll have the communication cards that go across. If anything that he said interests you uh, or any kind of ministry here at the church interests you, just mark on the, on the communication card. There's a place to mark to be involved in various ministries, Youth for Christ, stuff that's going on here, anything you've heard from previous sermons. Uh, mark that. Be involved. Dane, I'm going to ask if you would actually pray for us um, and be, just pray for us for our discipleship efforts here. And just bless us. Would you do that? Um, no. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I always, when I always sit in the audience, I always think, what if he said no? Yeah. <laughs> I would love to. That'd be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Lord, this church, uh, Roseburg Alliance, has been a blessing uh, to me personally in so many different ways. I love walking in here. I love shaking hands and giving hugs uh, to the folks here as they uh, display um, uh, so well the grace of God in and through us. Um, Lord, I would just, I would pray for this church. I would pray that you remind us moment by moment, breath by breath, heartbeat by heartbeat, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the one that lives in me, that lives in us. And that should change the way we get out of bed in the morning. Lord, it is no small thing. It is no tiny miracle that we have been brought from death to life because of your saving grace. Lord, I would just pray that we would respond in whatever capacity we have. If we are young and full of energy, or if we are on our, our, our final days, Lord, that you have said, I have a job for you, and I'm going, to come, I'm going to see it through. Lord, I would pray that with every ounce of our heart and our mind, that we would pursue you, uh, and we would love you first, and then let the amazing work of your spirit move through this community, uh, through us. Lord, it's exciting to be a part of your team. I don't know about these guys sitting out here, but I love being called your child. Um, Lord, I pray that you uh, you renew us with a with a with a new and fresh spirit each moment. In your name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dane. Hey, Dane's going to be uh, here hanging around in between services. Uh, available to chat, I assume. Or yeah, did I sure. just put you on the spot? No, that'd be great. If I had a cup of coffee, that'd be awesome. Where do I get one of those? Yeah, uh, Starbucks <laughs> down the road. All right. I'll be back. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. With Thank you, Dane. With the remainder of our time, would you open your Bible to Matthew 28 and stick your finger there and also open to Mark chapter 12? Like I alluded to earlier, this is the great commandment and the great commission with the remainder of our time, I, I'd just like to, to, to talk about discipleship. Uh, in Youth for Christ, there are many, many opportunities to mentor the young people in our community, right here. People that so desperately need it. So I want to clarify a little bit this morning, what is discipleship? 
Um, how do I make a disciple? Should I be a disciple? What is a disciple? What are the marks? What are the characteristics of a disciple? So we've been talking about what it means to be a good neighbor for the last couple weeks, as our sermon series title suggests. And this morning, I, I just want to take a turn and, and, asks how to, and ask the question, how do we get from simply being a good neighbor to discipleship? You see, the Christian life can be summarized passages of scripture that we've talked about the great commandment and the great mission in these summarize all that god has called us to excuse me in these passages summarize all that god has called us to as christians namely to love god to love neighbor to represent jesus as our church mission statements suggest we exist to bring glory to god by loving him loving our neighbor, and representing Christ to a fallen world. So if the Great Commandment and the Great Commission summarize the Christian walk for us, then we'd be an incomplete Christian to do one and not the other, right? So again, how do we get from good neighboring to disciple-making? Disciple uh, Matthew chapter 28, if you're there, and like I said, stick a finger there and, and turn over to Mark 12. I want to read these for us this morning as we uh, continue on with our ser- service. So, in Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And the great commandment in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28, says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he had answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of them all? Jesus answered, The most important is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I read earlier this week in in studying the great commandment and the great commission that the great commandment is the incarnation of the great commission. I was confused by that a little bit. But it essentially means this, that the kind of love by which we love our neighbors, you know, we've been talking about loving our neighbors the last several weeks, weeks, the kind of love by which we love our neighbors should be evangelistic in in nature. When we love our neighbor, it should speak of God's love for that person. It should be pointing them essentially to Jesus when we go out and show practical love to our neighbors, right? Just like the Good Samaritan that we talked about a couple weeks ago. What I'm getting at is this. Making disciples is loving God and loving neighbor. The two greats, the great commandment and the great commission, they feed into each other. They go hand in hand. And they're not just an end in and of themselves, but God says that they're both great and they work harmoniously together. So they feed into each other, and to neglect one is to greatly undermine the other. What we so often do as Christians is stop at neighboring and never make the transition to disciple making. We stop at neighboring. Because it's comfortable, it's easy, but we never make the transition to discipleship, which can get hairy, which can get messy. So, inviting, being neighborly is nice, inviting your neighbors over for dinner is nice, mowing 
you know, letting your neighbor borrow your lawnmower is nice. Mowing your late neighbor's lawn for them is also great. Those are all good, loving, neighborly things. But if it never makes the turn into discipleship, or rather the cross the bridge into discipleship, then we remain simply incomplete in our actions. Not to say that those things are bad, those things are great, and they do show the love of Christ in very practical and real ways. But what we're getting at is discipleship today, and that's what I want to spend the rest of our time on, is disciple-making so if it, it's important to clarify this because if we're going to learn the art of neighboring, we need to understand our call to disciple-making. So what's a disciple? How do we make one? And should I be one? First of all, what is a disciple? To be a Christian is to be a follower of Christ, a.k.a. a disciple. In the early chapters of Mark's gospel, Jesus finishes gathering his 12 disciples, and he sets out in ministry. And there's this little part there in chapter 6 that says, As Jesus went, it says, and his disciples followed him. And that's the simplest definition of what a disciple is. Granted, there is so many complexities to that. But at its core, at its heart, is is simply that that disciples follow Jesus. In this book by A.W. Tozer that I've been reading on discipleship, uh, a theologian and actually an alliance pastor, he speaks of uh, discipleship and he actually... Um, rights of a group of Christian that he identifies as half-disciples, or rather short-term disciples. And he admits that theologically this doesn't make sense to him, but, but it's something that he noticed in the church. And he says of these people who would identify as half-disciples or short-term disciples, he says, These are men and women who bring their life partially under the control of Christ, but they leave whole areas outside his control. They always leave a way out. They never burn their bridges behind them. They never quite reach the point of no return. He goes on to say, I believe a Christian is a Christian indeed when they reach the point of no return. Kind of like the old song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. So this simple verse in, in Mark where his disciples followed him is a packed punch. There is so much that comes with that. And I've heard it said that following Jesus is simple. Right? you got to follow Jesus. But it's not easy. It's going to cost your life. It's going to cost your life. So what Tozer writes about, about discipleship is that it, discipleship comes with so much more. And, and a, a disciple, a believer, is one who is all in. We're, we're not dipping our toes in the pool, but we've jumped in. Right? We've jumped all the way in. So, furthermore, throughout the Bible... There are many written and observable marks of a disciple. For the sake of a brief overview today, I'll ask you this question. Are you following Jesus fully? Do you have people in your life helping you progress in your walk with Christ? Like Dane said, uh, it would behoove us to not have someone we meet with regularly that, that we're talking about Jesus, that we're sharpening each other with, that we're being discipled by and with. Are we following Jesus fully? Do we have people in our life helping us progress in our walk with Christ? See, Christianity isn't just a one and done, saved, go to church and wait for heaven kind of deal, but it's a full life of service to God doing his will. I want to read a couple verses. Uh, Again, 
the Bible speaks of discipleship in many areas throughout the Gospels and in the epistles. And, and there's a big picture to be painted. But for the sake of brevity today, I want to read about five or so passages that I think summarize what discipleship is well. Uh, I'm going to kind of just jet through these and you can jot them down as we go along. The first one's from Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Matthew 10, 38, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Man, Jesus, that escalated quickly. John 8, 31 and 32, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you abide in my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Matthew chapter 4, 19 through 20, Jesus called out to them, come, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Lastly, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. So it talks about, these verses talk about what discipleship is, what it's going to cost us, and it talks about the importance of not just following Christ, but helping others follow Christ, right? So I, I, in youth group, I often give a, a picture, and it's, it's, it's wet and messy because I used this illustration. I thought about it today, but it'd be a lot of water, and, and it's essentially pouring a cup into another cup into another cup, and, and it flows out of one and into the other. It's like having a hole at the bottom of the cup. And you get poured into by God, obviously, and that, that keeps filling the cups who fill the cups who fill the cups, and then there's water everywhere. It's awesome, but the idea is we're being poured into, and as that overflows, it pours out into others. And that's the model of discipleship that Jesus has for us. So again, I'll ask this question about discipleship. Are you following Jesus fully do you have people in your life helping you progress in your walk with Christ? Discipleship is not simply an add-on to Christianity. It's not a cherry on top. It's the way of life God has for, listen, every believer. Every believer. Secondly, how do I make a disciple? That's what we're talking about today. What scripture tells us in the Great Commission is that under God's authority, we get to teach and model to other people the teachings of Christ. The way in which we do that is where God uses us as unique and differently gifted individuals to reach other unique and differently gifted individuals. So in light in all that God spells out about discipleship, I want to give a couple tips. They're up on the, on the board today. Just a couple tips for discipleship. Um, number one, disciple where you are. This is in light of the Great Commission where he says, go, therefore. So assuming that you are where God has you, you're there on purpose. Acts 17, that's, Acts 17 tells us that our boundaries have been determined. Where we are, where we exist has been determined by God, meaning we're here on purpose. You work where you work on purpose. You go to the gym where you go to the gym on purpose. It's all. Some of us don't think in those terms, but as Christians, we believe that. So number one is disciple where you are. What are you already doing? Where are you? Where has God placed you in your job? It takes a shift in thinking from I work here to I do ministry here. Now, there are obviously parameters for you and, 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 and prayerfully uh, think about those. But the first tip on making a disciple is where are you already? 
It doesn't often take you, oh man, I got to change some things around and I got to go here and I got to start something new. Um, and it's a, a 10 week extensive thing. It, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Where are you already? Number two is bring someone with you. Dane talked about how people are like, I like to fish. Can that be, can God use that? I like to go bowling. I like to go disc golfing. I like to ride dirt bikes. Can God use that? Yes. Bring someone with you. But that's my personal time. Well, God could use that. God could use your hobbies. God could use your talents. God could use what you're already doing. Bring someone with you. That's life on life discipleship. I remember growing up, uh, my family wasn't particularly a, a church going family, so um, I wasn't discipled in my own home, which was I, which would be ideal. But rather, it was people from the church. And um, I sought people out, people sought me out, and, and one of those guys was my youth pastor, and another was my best friend's dad. One was an official discipleship relationship, one was unofficial because I lived with them, and I just got to observe his life. And those relationships, um, life on life, were so meaningful for me, where I got to just watch how a godly man lives life on a, on a day-to-day basis in a very real way. This is how I get into arguments. This is how I pay my bills. This is how I do this, that, and the other. This is what it looks like. And and those relationships were were some of the most valuable for me in terms of being a disciple, was getting to observe and getting to watch the lives of other godly men in my life. So bring someone with you. That's that's a sacrifice, right? It's tough. It's, 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 Intruding on your me time sometimes, right? But it's so worth it to bring someone along in that journey to, for the sake of, of discipleship and, and doing what God would have you do. Number three, teach what you know about God. Teach what you know is true about God. This comes from the Great Commission where Jesus says, teaching them all that I have commanded. So what you know is true about God, what you've studied, what you've learned. How do you disciple someone? Again, I think sometimes we, we overcomplicate it. We make it um, too complicated and, oh, we've got to go through this manual. We've got to go through this book. We've got to do these things. And yes, again, those are helpful. I'm not bagging on anything that. But, but also in those times where you bring someone with you, where you're at work, where you're at the gym, and, and it's casual conversation or, or you're on a run or something like that, what can, what can you teach them about God that is true? Right there and right then. What do you know about God that is true that you can say, hey, Jesus loves you. He came to die for you. Hey, God is good all the time, even in the hard times. Um, What do you know is true about God? What scriptures do you have memorized? What are things that you can teach someone else as you walk through life? Fourth, use your passions as tools. This kind of ties into some of the other things that I've talked about. But using your passions as tools... Are you into model planes? Are you into, for me it's frisbee. I love, I love frisbee and any chance I get, I'll, I'll bring someone with me to play frisbee, whether that's disc golf or ultimate frisbee. That's just a, that's something I like to do that is super easy to say, hey, come with me, come along, come do this with me. Um, what are you passionate about? Use them as tools. Your passions, your hobbies can be tools for discipleship because, like I said earlier, it it takes all kinds of people to reach all kinds of people, meaning this. um, There are going to be other people who identify with the thing you're passionate about, and that's a natural relationship. That's a natural bridge into someone else's life. Um, That's part of the reason why I I help 
on the cross-country team is because I, I, I've learned to like to run, um, and it's just a way for me to hang out with students, some kids from this youth group, and, and, other, and meet other kids, and that's just a natural connection there. So use your passions as tools. Our third point is, should I be a disciple? Uh, lastly, I, I want to just acknowledge really quickly that some of us in here, um, what I just said about discipleship is probably like overwhelming. And like, oh man, I, I don't know if I'm there yet, Ricky. I don't know if that's where I'm at in my life. So I want to just acknowledge that. Some of us might be new to faith. Some of us might be stagnant in faith. Some of us might be returning to faith and, and simply might just not be in a position to disciple someone else, and that's totally okay. And while it's a biblical command for every Christian, it's also a process. Like I said, these disciples who dropped everything and followed Jesus all in immediately, it was still a process. If you know anything about Jesus' 12 disciples, you know it was a process for those knuckleheads. So that's some of us. Some of us might not be in a position today where we can effectively pour into someone else, but need that pouring into so be a disciple, I want to say today. And, and, and there's no shame in, in asking someone, hey, will you, can I hang out with you? Someone who's a little more advanced in faith than you, maybe, and say, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can I ask you questions about God? There's no shame in saying, I don't know what I'm doing. Will you help me? There's no shame in that. And I would encourage you to just initiate that conversation. Because here's the thing. There are people who, who, who want to do that, and, who, and re- regardless of age, it's something that we all need, like, like Dane pointed out earlier. We need someone pouring into our life. We need that sharpening. We need that person we can trust and talk to about Jesus and, and being built up in the faith. So again, just be a disciple. That's, that's for all of us. That's for all of us. But for some of us, it might take intentional hey. I need, I need help in my walk with, with Christ. Parents, I've heard it said that the most effective discipleship takes place in the home, raising kids. So a little plug as a youth pastor and, and as a new parent, and uh, also another plug for a parenting class we're going to be offering here in October, so please be part of that. But some of the most effective discipleship takes place in the home raising kids. For most of the time you have them, you are their greatest influence. Not me, not their peers yet, not other people, you. You are their greatest influence for most of the time you have them till they move out. As they get a little bit older, then peers become uh, an influence, yet the parents still retain most of that influence. As they get a little bit older, peer, peers and, and other authorities like teachers and politicians and whatever start to, to, to pull some of that influence. So while you have them, while they're in your home, while they're sponges, teach them, parent them. The home is an effective place for raising disciples, raising kids, teaching them to love God, to love neighbor. So use that opportunity. You have an incredible opportunity for discipleship right in front of you. It's tough, but it's cool in the home raising kids because you get to wear your sweatpants, and that's awesome. Discipleship is messy. It's complicated. Am I making a good picture for you guys this morning? I'm telling the truth, but it's so worth it. Uh, Discipleship's messy, it's, it's complicated, but it's the only way. It's the way in which God, it's, it's people. 
It's life on life, and it's got to be that way. If there was a shortcut, I'd tell you. If there was a secret sauce, I'd tell you. If there was a way to just, if there was a, a code, if there was a, a, an equation to just punch people in, but, but people aren't projects, people are people. So it's going to, they come with baggage. They come with problems. They come with all kinds of stuff, but it's the way God intended discipleship to work. So I would encourage you today to start that relationship, whether it's, it's, it's discipling someone, whether it's being disciples, dis- disciple, discipled. Ah, start that relationship, because while faith is personal, God never designed it to be private. We're in this together. Let's help each other out to love God, to love neighbors and to represent Christ through discipleship. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your your call to discipleship. Thank you for your call to love God and to love neighbor. And I pray, God, that you would enable us to do that because we can't in and of ourselves. It's just, it's it's too hard. It's it's insurmountable. It's it's heavy. But by your Holy Spirit, you can give us the strength and the joy needed to do what you have called us to. Thank you for my friend, Dane coming to speak with us um, just about opportunities to be involved in this process in the community and in our own church. I pray and ask that you would fill him and, 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 and strengthen his hands for the huge work you've set before him. Be with his family, his wife and kids. Be with his ministry. And God, we love you. We thank you. I pray that by your spirit we'd, we'd march into this next week confident in in what you've called us to do. And I pray this all together in Jesus' name. Amen.